Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our Old Testament reading today is actually recorded for us by the prophet Isaiah, the 55th chapter. One of the promises that we heard during Lent about uh, the gift of life and to come and buy without cost, and also this wonderful promise that God's word is effective, just like snow and rain. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, my sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that He may have compassion on him, and to our God, For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountain and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that cannot be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is recorded for us in the first letter to the Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the beginning of the great resurrection chapter. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you took your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the words I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it is not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite the congregation to please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel is the gospel of St. John, the 20th chapter, but we're going to follow through on the entire story with Mary here, so it'll be verses 1 through 18 instead of 1 through 9. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothing lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
In Jesus' name, dear Christian friends, our text this morning is the Gospel read earlier, especially verses 8 and 9. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Early in the morning, half sleepy, you still say those words automatically as soon as pastor said them at the beginning of the service, even if they hadn't been written down, you'd have said them. There are a lot of things that we say as responses in the church that we say automatically, you know, like, in the liturgy itself, we have those automatic responses that we can say without even thinking about them. Well, today I want to think about it a little bit. When we give that response, why, why do we say He is risen indeed? Well, indeed is from the Latin word for in truth. And so we're, we're saying yes to the truth of Scripture that He is risen Now God has led us, unlike the disciples, to understand the Scriptures. And so in the epistle that was read, it said that Jesus was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And so we say, He is risen indeed. But there are other true things that are in accordance with the Scriptures because just before that sentence from that same epistle, it says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And so if I say Christ was dead, and we could even add the Alleluia, because the death of Christ is something that we celebrate. We call it Good Friday. Solemn as it is. Sad as it is. It is a wonderful thing that Christ had to die so that we have the forgiveness of our sins. Well, I don't think that one's going to catch on anytime soon. But we can't celebrate the absolutely necessary resurrection of Jesus without celebrating the absolutely necessary death of our Lord as well. And celebrate is the right word. Easter is a celebration of life. Good Friday is a celebration of death. And the hymn, the death of Jesus Christ our Lord, we celebrate with one accord, states it correctly. Good Friday was good indeed. But all of this is so wonderfully different from what our head tells us that the disciples did not understand the Scripture on Easter morning. Instead of understanding the Scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead, they saw that the body was missing. They were pretty slow to put all the clues together, but John saw and believed. But if I said, Christ is missing, (laughs) I don't think that one's going to catch on either, but it was a pretty important part of the whole puzzle. 
And just like you figured out how to rearrange those verses, and, and, and so just like in a movie where, where the detective is starting to get all of these clues and starting to put them all together, and, and you as a spectator are watching and saying, come on, come on, you're close, put it all together here. And that's what the disciples were doing. That's what we do each Easter. We, we sing those words, we say those alleluias, but we know that there's much more. And so Jesus appears to Mary. Jesus speaks to Mary, and she knows that he's alive. And so now we can finally put it all together and say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Well, we're going to consider all of that in our theme today. I want you to look at the slide on the screen for a second. When, when it's my turn to preach, I always give Pastor Neubauer the assignment of about three or four things that I'm going to try to include in the sermon and challenge him to find a slide that has all of those things in it. Today, I think he hit a home run. He's got the disciples who saw and believed. He's got Mary who heard and knew. And then he's got us in the middle there. We're the ones who hear God's Word and that word, like we heard in the Old Testament, doesn't come back to God without accomplishing what he wants, and that's that we believe. And he's even got egg-shaped frames around the people. All of that's going to figure in somehow in our theme. Jesus speaks so that people hear and believe that he had to rise. Well, that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Acclamation has been around for a long time in the church, not quite as long Lutheran churches, but a long, long time. And the legend is that Mary Magdalene is the one who started the whole thing when she appeared before the emperor and said, Christ is risen. Now, the emperor didn't respond automatically like you did. He thought it was nonsense. So according to the legend, when Mary Magdalene said, Christ is risen, he said, Sure, just like that egg you're holding is going to turn red. And then, according to the legend, the egg that Mary was holding turned bright red. And that's why icons of Mary Magdalene show her holding a red egg. And that, boys and girls, is apparently why we dye eggs on Easter. Well, I don't always understand the legends. I don't understand why Mary would go to the emperor holding an egg, but it doesn't really cover that. What, what matters is what Scripture says, and that the Holy Spirit gives us an understanding of the Scripture. The disciples didn't understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise. To be more precise, they didn't understand that Jesus had to both die and rise. And in this case, Scripture certainly means the words that were written, the words of prophecy that had been written in the law and the prophets way, way back. But it also includes the words and the promises that Jesus spoke directly to the disciples. How much more word of God can you get when Jesus told them that he had to go and be crucified and killed and he had to rise on the third day? But it wasn't just that the tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. Jesus was living among them. And not only would he show himself to people, but he would draw those people to himself so that they also 
would be living again. Really living. And so Jesus spoke so that Mary and the disciples heard and believed that He had to die and rise and that their spirits would be lifted up with Him. We could simply say on Easter morning, the tomb is empty. It is empty indeed. Alleluia. That's a historical fact. There were witnesses. But what happens, however, when we look at some other tombs? You know, in that Easter story, it says that many tombs were opened and many people rose from the dead. Kind of an obscure fact that we don't know what to do with. But what about all of the tombs and all of the graves in all of history that contain all of the people that have ever died? That's hard to compute. Somebody tried it. Said that that could be 20 billion. Somebody else said 100 billion. Will they also be empty one day? Kind of boggles our mind. But even more is the, the one tomb that troubles our mind. And that's my grave. Will I someday slip out underneath those linen strips and take the grave cloth up and fold it up and walk out of my grave? That's the resurrection that I'm interested in. That's the resurrection that Scripture causes us to understand. But do I always understand it? Do I understand that I too must die? Actually, I get that part. But that I also must rise? Can that be true? Like the disciples, it doesn't seem possible. And sometimes I don't understand from Scripture that I have to rise from the dead. But yet one of the best Easter hymns of all, which is actually in the funeral section, says, Jesus, my Redeemer lives. Likewise, I to life shall waken. Why? Well, here's the part that we need to understand. Shall I fear or could the head rise and leave his members dead? We're connected to Christ by faith. He had to rise. And how can the head rise without everybody connected to him rise too? Jesus speaks to us so that we hear and believe that he had to rise. And since we are united to him, we rise with him. I think Mary knew that, but Jesus wouldn't let her hold on to him just yet. But when Jesus spoke, Mary knew. God made her know. God made himself known in the speaking of her name. He called her by name. And that calling her by name is hearing the word of God just as directly as you possibly can. And that word, that greeting from God didn't come back void. Mary knew that it was Jesus. But what else do we know about Mary? She was from the town of Magdala. The Bible tells us that she and other women followed Jesus, and from their means and their ability, they took care of him, and the disciples met their needs. But another big thing that we know about Mary is that she was, Jesus freed her from seven demons. Now, because of a bad sermon preached on September 14th, 591, 
Some people think that Mary was also the sinful prostitute who washed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair, but there's no evidence of that in Scripture. The only reason that people thought that for hundreds of years was because that bad sermon was preached by Pope Leo I, and it wasn't until 1969 that the church said, that really isn't true, don't believe that anymore. But just think about what we do know. Jesus freed her from seven demons. Sometimes the Bible a couple of times tells us exactly how Jesus did this, but most of the time it doesn't. It just says that he went into the towns and villages, presumably Magdala, and also freed people like Mary. And in Mark we read that Jesus cleansed people from demons with a word. A word. So it's plausible that just that one word that was all it took for Jesus to free Mary from demons could have been him calling her by name. Maybe Jesus simply said, Mary, and she came forth and all the demons were left behind. Now, I don't want this to be a sermon as bad as Leo's where I make something up that I don't think you're going to remember it for 1,800 years, though. But it's possible that Jesus freed her just by speaking her name. And maybe that's why when Jesus said, Mary, he recognized, she recognized him. And from all of her sorrow, from all of her doubt, from all of her fears, she was called and Mary was left. When Jesus cleansed her of those demons, there was a new spirit in her, a spirit of that faithfulness that caused her to not only take care of him and the disciples, but that faithfulness that caused her to be among the last to leave the cross on Good Friday and among the first to arrive on Easter morning. There's a more modern legend, a work of fiction, that tries to get us to believe that she was Jesus' girlfriend or maybe even his wife, but there's not even a bad sermon that supports that. But the Bible does support Mary's faithfulness like I said, last to leave the cross, first to arrive. And there, Jesus, who had called her from all those demons, calls her out of her doubt, her fear, her sorrow. And this time we know the word that he used, Mary. She heard and she knew. She knew because Jesus, especially after the resurrection in his state of exaltation, makes himself known wherever and whenever it pleases him, and whatever way is best for the person to whom he's appearing. So Jesus speaks so that people hear and believe that he had to rise from the dead, and they have to rise and live with him. So what about us? What word would Jesus speak so that we would hear and know how would God make himself known to us? The scriptures have made it known to us that Jesus' tomb was empty. The scriptures make it known to us that all of those graves of all who believe and all of whom we love and miss and for whom we mourn are also going to be empty. But right now, the voice of Jesus in scripture calls us to him. To, to leave behind our sorrow, our fears, our doubts, our not understanding. 
He causes us to be followers, the last to leave, the first to show up to worship and serve our Lord. The Scriptures make you know that His death is not just a fact of history, but it's the full payment for your sins so that you can stand spotless before God. And those Scriptures make you know and understand that Jesus is alive right now, right here in the church, and that He calls to each of us by faith. The Scripture lead us to believe and understand and confess, as we will in a moment, that just as Jesus has risen from the dead, He lives and reigns to all eternity, that we will live under Him in that kingdom to all eternity. And the Scriptures tell us that one day Jesus will return with a shout and the dead will be raised. Jesus still speaks so that you hear and believe that just as He is risen and lives and reigns, you too will rise and live and reign with Him. Christ is risen. We are risen. We are risen indeed. Alleluia. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.